podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Moms are amazing at tracking down hard-to-find items. Library books, socks, you name it. But sometimes help is welcomed. Care.com makes it easy to find babysitters near you. Sitters with the experience and skills your family needs like after-school pickup and homework help. You just post a job for qualified sitters to apply. And since all Care.com caregivers are background checked, you can feel confident about interviewing and hiring. To get the child care help you need, sign up now at Care.com. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Strelko. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Hello, Adam. Welcome back. Tattoo Mike. How's it going? <laughs> I got my tattoo over the weekend. Did you? Uh, no. I haven't agreed please, to please that. Don't, I, please don't show us. <laughs> it's not suitable for this show. I, that's what I figured. <laughs> Where it is or what it is or both? <laughs> both. You have to ask that. You already know the answer, Trace. <laughs> I thought for sure it would be the Sons of UCF logo on one of the biceps that you boast of. <laughs> That's next. That's next. Maybe we should do that together. Welcome back, though, uh, Mike. Uh, no, I haven't agreed to that, by the way, and we're a long ways away from 10,000 YouTube subscribers. I like that high mark that we, we set out <laughs> there that it's not going to happen anytime soon. I believe so. Mike, Mike was right, though. We need an end date on this. Like, we need a cutoff where if we don't have 10,000 by you know, whatever July 4th that this thing is cut off. I do think yeah. we need to put some, uh, some guardrails around this because Robert seems way too motivated uh, to make this happen, and, and that, uh, that concerns me. How about 10,000 before the men's basketball team makes the tournament? What happens first? We get 10,000 before the team makes the tournament? Wow. Can we do it? Early. So, okay. Uh, it could be indefinite is what you're saying. There's no real deadline. <laughs> could go on for years. On this. Uh, some breaking news, uh, Mike. I'm sure you've dialed into this one. Running back Woody Barrett has announced he will be um, not returning to the Knights. will participate in UCS Pro Day on April 1. It's Woody Barrett. Did he, did he get any playing time? Uh, this past season, it's the first time I've ever heard that name. <laughs> That's not true, Mike. He was the uh, he was the quarterback, I believe. I think he came from Kent State, right? He was the quarterback. And he came Auburn. to UCF as a running back, uh, wore number twenty four, which was Mentavious Thompson's number. But I don't believe he cracked uh, the blades of grass this year, unfortunately. Big kid, though, if I remember correctly. Still, never heard of him. <laughs> You're not bringing back any memories, <laughs> even okay. after we've told you about him. Uh, you know, we started this about a year ago, and can you believe it that today is the uh, the one-year anniversary of Josh Heupel's hiring in Tennessee and UCF uh, reaping a couple of million dollars out of the deal. One year since Josh Heupel left us, and uh, 
don't recall there being too much sadness across uh, Night Nation over that one. Yeah, happy Hypel Day, everybody. Uh, obviously, look, I think Hypel had a bit of a love-hate relationship with a lot of the fan base. Uh, they lamented some of his play calling. Uh, some of his recruiting tactics uh, were certainly called into question. Uh, he did hold the offense together. And, and this year, where we were struggling to, to cobble 16 points against the likes of ECU and, and Tulane, we were certainly uh, uh, calling for that offense. But ultimately, I think... Uh, this is one of those rare win-wins. I think Tennessee got what they wanted. They got some excitement. They got some offense. And UCF got some stability in Gus Malzahn and a little bit of a, a charge forward in recruiting. So kind of the rare win-win. I guess maybe UCF comes out on top because we netted a couple million from it. But uh, overall, I think a win-win for everybody, really. We're all happy about it now. But on the day it happened, we were all a little bit in shock. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know who the next coach was going to be. A year later, we feel a little more comfortable now. We see the direction of the program. We see the way recruiting has been going. So we can all take a little deep breath now. Um, hopefully, Malzahn's here for a long time. That's, that's the next question because the last two coaches have been here for two years and out. So this is yeah. the second year coming up. Fair, Mike. It was also coming off the heels of Danny White leaving. So the search for an athletic director, search for a head coach, a great deal of uncertainty in what was a very difficult stretch of uh, six, eight weeks for UCF. Mackenzie Milton transferring to FSU, just a whole series of things. It's funny how all of that has stabilized in a short period of time. We get asked a question later in the Sun's mailbag about grading Terry Mahajer. One of the things he's working on, Orlando Sentinel reporting today, that UCF and the AAC working on their separation agreement, uh, still looking at a target date of 2023. Um, Commissioner Mike Oresco, you remember him, still AAC commissioner, says the clock is ticking. We've had ongoing discussions with the group, and they've been very amicable. Uh, he holds the cards. You want out early? You're going to have to pony up more money. Uh, so uh, that's still looking like it might be 2023. Maybe we'll hear something here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I've said before, it's going to come down to who's got the most money and who's got the better lawyers, because obviously this is going to go to a negotiation phase at some point. Uh, the interesting domino will be the SEC and Oklahoma, Texas. Are they going to try to get it early? What's the fee they have to pay? I think that's a domino that falls at some point. But this is going to be decided in a boardroom and in an office versus anywhere else. Uh, so we'll see who's got the better lawyer and who's got the, the happy Gilmore style check that they can walk in a room with. <laughs> I'm still optimistic we'll be in the Big 12 by 2023. I, I've thought that since the beginning, and I see no reason to think otherwise so far. It will be without Woody Barrett, Mike, former <laughs> UCF running back. will not be a part of it. Uh, good luck to Darren Hinshaw, previous guest, right, uh, on the Sons of UCF uh, podcast? No, no, no. You didn't we, get him? I thought no. you had him. At one point. We had Tyson uh, at one point on the Alabama uh, anniversary show, but Darren has been elusive. So, mm. Well, now he's gone from analyst at UCF to analyst at UAB. Uh, well, he's going to have to slot behind Woody Barrett's appearance on the show, but we will certainly try <laughs> yeah. to uh, to get him there. You know, not surprising. Obviously, he wasn't announced, but I, I imagine that there's other important things going on at the UCF football facility right now and Gus Malzahn's uh, life right now to, to, to talk about that. But the, th the thinking was with the opening after G.J. Kinney left that potentially Hinshaw would be in line for that. He didn't get that, of course, as Chip Lindsey came in, yeah. kind of writing potentially on the wall at that point. Well, you talk about uh, things going on at the UCF football complex, the hometown hero event this weekend, Saturday noon, 
uh, welcoming in juniors, class of 2023 guys. We got a question, normally throw this in the mailbag, but I think it's pertinent in relationship to this event uh, that UCF is hosting this weekend. At Joe P. Powell A., is Gus expected to attend the Hometown Heroes event? He hasn't seen any updates on Christie, doesn't know if Gus has been away, you know, uh, past few weeks, what his uh, connection now is with this event. I think that is a big question that goes into this event. A lot of recruits are posting on their social media that they're coming. It's been now 10 days since we've gotten any sort of update, any release from UCF. Uh, you can only imagine that that means that uh, families kept things close and, uh, you know, been difficult, challenging days for them. But it would be interesting to see if Gus uh, makes it out to that hometown hero event this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, obviously you hope he can make it, right? Because that would hopefully signal that things are maybe uh, trending in a positive state for his wife. Uh, ultimately, though, if if they're not, I, I hope he doesn't go. I hope he his priorities should be with his family, with his wife. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of different uh, – uh, players and coaches that'll be at the event that continues to sell UCF. So, uh, you know, I, I hope he's there because to me that would signal a sign that maybe things are trending in the right direction. But uh, I, I, I fully uh, anticipate and hope that he stays with his wife and, and does what he needs to do as a, as a husband first, because that's obviously the top priority. That's right. And the other guys on this staff are capable of handling this event. T will Herb hand, the rest of the staff. Those are the big time recruiters, ice Harris, all those guys. So, uh, I'm just praying for Christy. Hopefully she recovers soon and hopefully Gus is able to make it. If he's there, I, I take that as a good sign that she's doing okay at least. Yeah, it's just going to be something to look for uh, and whether there are some announcements that he he made some appearances out there Saturday. Mike, do you have February 17th circled on your calendar? That's when the Zoom meeting is for walk-on tryouts. You have to first participate in that Zoom meeting. What's your eligibility situation like? Because you, you certainly are a great couch coach. Yeah, I think I'm completely out of eligibility. I had four years of college. I went to uh, grad school after that. So I think I'm out. Ouch. Even though I never participated in any sports, though, does that make a difference? I don't know. I don't know what the actual rules are. I think I'm done, though. <laughs> I'm 41 years old. I'm not kidding. I'm not <laughs> I, I, I like that we finally got to your age as a disqualifier after we went through all of the other reasons that perhaps. Uh, what would you try out for, though? You know, I never played organized football in my life. So I can't really, I don't know what position I, I'm too small now to play anything. To be honest, I weigh 185 pounds. What am I going to play? I'm not yeah. fast. Like who knows if I can catch, what do you want me to do? I can be, I can't even be the long snapper. Let's put it that way. That's a skill I don't have. So I, I don't know. You, I don't know. I, think I can be the get back on, coach. I think you should hop on the zoom because as uh, Robert says, uh, Mike, tell, tell Gus about your, your 5K experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, the 5K is coming up again. I just saw the run UCF group that posted it. They will be doing it again in April. So start training now. Get all the excuses out of the way. I choose not I, to run. I may Don't choose, drop any weights on your I feet. may choose not to run um, this year in true Seinfeldian fashion. <laughs> it's Adam's well, turn. I, yeah, yeah, so last year, uh, if you recall, I uh, I had broken the toe at that point, so I was not able to participate. So uh, I am uh, I am training vigorously to uh, get get back on the course, uh, and so I uh, I hope to be able to participate this year. Hopefully, we get a Suns UCF group again. That was really fun last year. We got our name on the T-shirts. We got a lot of guys out there, uh, a lot of folks uh, who want to run. I think we give away a hat at some point. I don't know if we have any of those. We give away a hat but... for everything. I don't <laughs> yeah, think it's an exclusive. That's also fair, so. <laughs> We, we will, I still uh, owe a hat will, to the guy that won the pick'em challenge for the uh, regular we will, season. Uh, sent his I'll rummage through the prize closet and see what's uh, what's left there, but uh, uh, definitely looking forward to maybe get back in a 5K uh, race this year. Well, we're uh, 
turning over on football to reviewing the offensive line. I asked on our uh, poll question this week, uh, grade the offensive line. 71% said good. Curious the reaction of our uh, our first guest as we talk about the makeup of that offensive line. Who's gone? Who's coming back? Uh, offensive lineman, former offensive lineman, Aaron Evans joins us now on the Sons of UCF Live. Aaron, welcome in. Hi. Happy to be here. How are y'all doing? Doing well, doing well. What do you think? 71% of folks said um, that the 2021 offensive line, they would rank as good. Does good seem like the right grade for what you saw as you watch UCF football in 2021? I would say good is, I would say good is an accurate grade overall. I think there's definitely areas of improvement overall in pass protection, give the quarterback a little more time over. Um, um, in the run game, I think they're pretty consistent. Um, <clears throat> but again, um, I think there's definitely room for improvement. And um, I've told that to Sam Jackson. I know we're going to talk about him a little bit. <laughs> How did um, Sam take that advice? <laughs> uh, he knows. He knows. I'm, I'm the same guy I was when I played um, in that mind, in that mindset um, where um, perfection is the standard. Um, and then you just work towards that. And anything beneath that is just okay. You know, and we, and it's okay, but you got to keep trying to improve and, um, and, always wanting to move forward, always wanting to grow. So I think that we have a lot of areas to improve upon, and I think that's actually exciting. Aaron, can we start a conversation about Matt Lee and how consistent he's been at the center position? Obviously for a, a sophomore now, uh, you know, we lost Jordan Johnson. He was a fantastic center. A lot of questions about Matt Lee. Had one game as a freshman to struggle, but by and large, he's been probably the most consistent O-lineman we've had. What do you see when you watch Matt Lee and, and how good, for those who don't really watch the intricacies, how good is Matt Lee? Um, I, for someone to be able to step into that role as a young player, like sort of as Jordan Johnson did, is it's really hard to do. I don't think people really realize how much of, um, of a keystone that center can be and is. Um, so I, to be able to step in, hold your own, especially there's usually strength disparities at that age. And um, for you to be able to hold your own and handle your business is pretty impressive. So I think it's promising. And um, he definitely has – um, a bright future to grow into at that position. Obviously, every year in college, there's turnover. We're losing a couple key pieces. Cole Schneider is going to be gone next year. We got some transfers coming in. How long does it take for an offensive line to really start to gel together? Is that something that can be done in an offseason, or is it not going to be until halfway through the season where they're really rolling? Um, I think they can do it in the offseason, but they need to prioritize the um, relationships as a whole, um, getting close to one another, learning how to trust one another, because you need to be able to, um, like, especially as a center or guard, you need to be able to look to your right and your left and know that someone's going to be protecting you when there's a twist, a game, a movement, um, linebacker blitzing, whatever it may be. You need to be able to trust that they are on their P's and Q's. So that takes a lot of um, – Chemistry building, um, I think they can do it prior to the season, but that that takes intentionality and um, diligence. And I don't know. I've again, I've talked to Sam. Sam knows he's a veteran now, and I think he um, will step into that role of leadership where he can kind of um, wrangle the guys together and create that culture again. But um, I think if they focus on it and are intentional about it, they can do it before season. If they're not, they're gonna. It's gonna take couple of games to get under their belt before they actually have that cohesiveness. The O-line stepped up in a big way in the Gasparola Bowl victory over Florida, but you saw over that second half of the season, maybe they were getting worn down. What's the grind like of a season? 
Um, it definitely wears on you. Um, and that's what they say. The strength training you do in the off season is what protects you for the season. Um, and that's so true because you just get worn out, worn out, worn out, worn out. And your maintenance protocols becomes really the most important portion of, of, of your, of your toolbox. You know, um, it's rough. You're getting cracked every single play. Um, you're getting popped, you're getting dinged up, hitting your knees, people stepping on your feet. I mean, it's taking me the last two years of not really playing to actually unravel a lot of those ailments I've had in my own legs and stuff from just getting stepped on and squished all the time. So um, it's been a really good learning experience. Um, and I would just, um, I think the guys just, um, it's just rough overall, but that's just the trenches. That's the trench life. We brought in a transfer uh, from Virginia, Ryan Swoboda, who, who stands six foot ten. We also have Paul Rubelt, also six foot ten. This may be a silly question, but is it, can you almost be too tall as an offensive lineman? Is six ten? What challenges does that present to somebody playing the O line at, at that at that height? Um, obviously, the first thing that I think of is knee health and ankle, just the lower extremity health of the athlete, because it's really easy to get locked up. Then I also worry about um, speed because a lot of big guys don't have um, a ton of speed. Um, they're kind of, I don't want, for a lack of a better word, Ophi. Um, but I think that, um, with, again, strength training, because there's guys in the league that are that big, but they're just monsters. You know, they're monsters in the weight room, they're monsters in the gym. Um, and, and so they, that can reinforce all those, uh, those concerns. I think we saw that with like guys like, I mean, this is not football related, but Taco Falls did that, I think. And that's what really elevated his game was he had, um, some really good strength training occur and that's it upped his stock value because he became that, that much more stable as an athlete. And uh, I think if he has, if he, if he really buys into his strength training protocols, he should be an asset. I mean, but one other concern is that the quarterback can't see over him. <laughs> you played under a couple of different styles. You played under O'Leary. You played under Frost. You, what's your preference? Do you just like a power running game? you like the way Malzahn's running it now, or do you like the more high-paced, fast offense? I love the fast-paced offense um, that we had with Frost because you couldn't it, – it became um, a will versus will type of thing where your conditioning versus my conditioning – and um, and you, if you, how much more of a technician you were versus how much more of a technician they were. And you could just wear them out. And you literally could see it happening throughout the game. You could see the defensive linemen start backing up off the ball. You could see them breathing harder. You could see it. And, and you knew that you had them when that was happening. And um, I think that is um, what I liked so much about it. But I, I, am a, I am a sucker for power play. I am a sucker for pulling guard plays. I'm a sucker for all that. I love – I love smash mouth football. I just like um, bread and butter. We're gonna run it down the throat, your throat. Get ready. Um, I, I would like to where I would like for our program to be where we just tell them, hey, we're gonna run up the middle right now, and just like every sign in the world, and um, stop us if you can. Such a change of pace from what you were doing as a football player to now uh, doing art and creating. And your latest piece, uh, a dedication to the late running back Otis Anderson. Just talk about the inspiration that you had for creating that piece and what you plan to do with it. Um, yeah, it's. I've been. Hmm, the what I plan on doing with it is I'm planning on giving the piece to his mother. Um, that whole situation kind of hit a weird chord with me. I 
a lot of people passed last year um, in my family and um, and, and, and in my life. And, uh, and when that one, when Otis's passing occurred, I was um, pretty shocked as everyone was. Um, um, but I'm gonna give that piece, I'm gonna give that painting to his mother. And then um, I'm, my goal is to make I don't know how many I'm going to make yet, but I'm going to make a couple hundred posters and I'm going to give posters to my teammates and some of his fraternity brothers. I'm just going to gift them to them. Um, and then I'm going to sell some to my Twitter fans and my UCF fans and in general. Um, and, um, and then give 50% of the proceeds to his mother. And then the, the red smoke in the piece is to symbolize the, the red from his fraternity is a cap. And then obviously the on his forehead, and then the dove is for peace, um, and just that he rests easy, you know. So it's just a sad piece overall. It's actually really challenging to paint um, to let myself be in that mental headspace um, for that long. So it was it was really great reflection though. Count your blessings, and um, the moment is the most precious part of your day right now, you know. So how has it felt? for you to see the reaction that Night Nation has shown you in support of your artwork? Um, I would not be where I'm at today without Night Nation. I, there's, I wouldn't have anywhere near the level of success that I've had without Night Nation, and I'm just unbelievably grateful. And it's truly, it's, um, it's humbling um, because uh, it just is. I cannot believe the reception i get it's always positive because it's a little nerve-wracking every time you post something new and you're kind of like wondering about the reception you're going to have from it because um, it's a little piece of myself every time i post something and um the fact that the fans constantly enjoy what i'm putting out is wild to me and i'm just i feel so blessed and i feel so fortunate um and i'm honestly i'm thrilled for the future to continue to create uh quality content for y'all Keep doing what you're doing. Aaron Evans, we thank you for stopping by the Sons of UCF Live tonight. Yeah, I hope you have a great night, fellas. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. You know, he said something there a moment ago about strength training. Remember, we just talked about the hiring of uh, Terry Mahajer, Gus Malzahn, and then Gus putting together his staff late, right, in the process, and then having to start spring camp. And we saw the injuries occur and some questions that came from fans about strength and conditioning they're going to have a full year under their belt now. Yeah, I think a lot of the injuries last year, though, when you look at them, some of them feel like freak injuries, right? Just just plays that I think, you know, Bowser getting hit in the knee. I mean, you can you can strength train all you want. You hit in the kneecap. That's going to hurt. So I, I think I am curious. I know the offseason, you know, we always make fun of the spring practice and the five minutes of throwing the football high in the air and what happens. But ultimately, that is the foundation for how the season can be built, right, in, in the weight room. Uh, and on the practice field. So I, I will be curious to see how, how Coach Dawson, uh, who's, you know, and from a uh, just a collegiate perspective, regarded as one of the mm -hmm. one of the best out there, how we can t take it, this entire uh, offseason and, and build up this roster, build up this team, uh, because I do think, to, to Aaron's point, that longevity will be huge. Uh, we saw last year how much depth hurt UCF not having as much as they wanted. Part of the depth issue was staying healthy. So I think that's going to be a, a big cog going into the next season, you know, health and, and, uh, and stability of the team overall. Yeah, this is football. There's going to be injuries. There's no team that goes the season without any major injuries. We're going to have some. The key now is that the roster is different. We have more depth built up over the year now that Gus has had that year of recruiting. 
and going forward that the second and third stringers should be more equipped to come in and help contribute. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing this Ryan Swoboda. What'd you say? It was 6'10", right? About 320? 6'10", yeah. Yep. Mikey Keene lists himself. And he rebound. Five. <laughs> 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 Coming up in that second, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, Mikey Keene is listed, I believe, as 5'11". Um, I'm, I'm not, I think it's a little generous uh, on the 5'11", but it was interesting. He's got to see over him, right? And that guy is a big guy. Brian Svoboda, and you think that he'd most likely land in a starting role for the Knights this season. So it'll be something interesting to watch. Perhaps we'll get some glimpses of that when training camp opens uh, about five weeks away or so. Uh, Mike, you, you had the good segue to basketball. I'm sure you've got plenty to say. Men's basketball loses at Wichita State, uh, 84-79. Uh, not a good night for the Knights uh, when they're giving up 84 points, uh, right? Fair to say, <laughs> not, not good. Um, and Johnny Dawkins uh, in the post game uh, talked about how they can learn from this and what's next. No, absolutely. You know, we have to make sure to get our minds right. You know, we have to, you know, learn from this game, get better from it. I thought there were some policies we'll take away in, from the second half and we'll show our guys and we'll show our guys, you know, some of the things that we have got to improve in. Like we can't give up 84 points in the basketball game. That's just not who we are defensively. And it starts on that end of the floor. And then that between that and, and, and defensive rebounding, uh, closing the possessions out, you know, we have to get better in those areas. And that's what we're going to focus on. All right. Adam, uh, what positives did you see? <laughs> oh boy. I mean, they got down early. Uh, it was not a, a very, um, uh, great start overall. They fought back. I mean, they got within what, 10, uh, eight at halftime, you know, it felt like they were within striking distance for a while there. So once again, uh, uh, similar to the ECU game, you know, they got down, they battled back. So you, you do love the fight. Uh, you love that some guys are able to get hot, hit some shots. I actually like Jamil Reynolds. Uh, you know, he played a, a ton of minutes in this game. I thought he brought some good energy down low. CJ Walker, same. Seems like he gets the ball in the post. He's ready to to make uh, to try to make a play. But overall, it just felt like we were in you know in neutral for the first you know eight to ten minutes of the game. And um, and sure, we can shoot our way back at times. But if we're going to keep digging holes like this, it's going to be tough to to win ball games, particularly road games in conference. So. I mean, kudos to to the guys for the fight. Uh, again, I think Jamil and CJ played pretty, you know, pretty well on the inside, but um, you just can't can't get behind that much and, and keep you know, trying to pull miracles uh, from behind every time. It's just not going to work. Yeah, it's becoming a trend now. The slow starts. We've seen it. We can't think that we're going to come back from twenty points down every week like we did against East Carolina. We almost did it. We were down sixteen in this game on the road. Cut us to three. I was in it for the, in the last minute. I still thought we had a chance. We cut it to six again. Uh, and then just really some unforced errors throughout that game. A lot of traveling calls, throwing the ball away on on passes out of bounds, just some sloppy play, unforced errors. That was driving me nuts last night. Brandon Mahan with 20 points, uh, Darius Johnson with 12. Um, you know, you, you have that feeling, like you said there, that they could come back if uh, someone like Brandon can hit threes, you know, hit a couple of threes there and get them back in the game. But boy, it seemed like every time UCF had a three, Wichita State had a three. Let's bring in a uh, former UCF player, uh, BJ Taylor, who joins us, good enough to join us again this week. BJ, welcome in to the Sons of UCF Live. Two things stand out to me. You heard uh, Coach Dawkins there say uh, they gave up 84 points. And you know how often he says that this is a team that prides itself. His teams are priding themselves on defense. And the other is that Wichita State went to the free throw line 40 times. Yeah. And it's not a good recipe there. No, no, it's certainly not a, a good recipe. Mm -hmm. uh, good to see you guys. Good to see Mike back. I'm, gl I'm glad he's with us. 
Um, so, you know, definitely not a good recipe last night with 40 free throws from, from Wichita. You know, they got 20 free throws out of out of a freshman, Ricky Council, um, and that, that's far, far too many. Um, that That's James Harden kind of numbers from the free throw line. So when, whenever you give a guy uh, 20 free throws, whenever you give a team 40 free throws and combine that with our 16 turnovers, it's going to be hard to be successful, right? So I, I think for this team, you know, we've really got to – you know, we get back to the drawing board and figure out how to cut down those turnovers and keep the other team off the line. BJ, we saw it last night. We saw it against ECU. Uh, UCF seems to get off to slow starts. It takes a while for them to kind of get into the game and get their rhythm going. What do you attribute to that? Is that maybe getting used to the arena? Is that just, you know, maybe not uh, feeling their way into the game? What do you attribute the slow starts to in the last couple of weeks? Well, I think, first of all, it comes down to sort of a mental disposition entering the game. Uh, when you go on the road, when you go to Wichita, it's going to be loud. They're going to be a ruckus fan base. They're very passionate about their team. And even when you saw it at USF, right, these these road games in conference are going to be a challenge. And, and our guys have to approach the game with the mentality and the understanding that road conference basketball isn't going to be a cakewalk. I don't care what Wichita State's record is or what USF's record was when we entered that game. They're at home. They're going to play with a little more motivation and a little more energy than you might see from them on a night-to-night basis, right? The only team in our conference that really didn't have a solid home court was Tulane, right? Tulane didn't have a lot of fans. They just did. They just wasn't, you know, a big basketball place, right? They had a small arena, things like that. So Tulane felt more like a neutral site game. But ECU, Wichita. Um, even Tulsa, it's going to be it's not going to be an easy game. Right. So our, our guys really have to approach the game with, with the, the mentality that, listen, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. Forget what their record is. Right. And, and the second part of my answer to your question is I think it sort of becomes a habit, Adam. Like we're all creatures of habit. It's all human nature to, to fall into what we were successful for before. And our team now we fell behind against ECU and we made a comeback. Right. We fell behind against Tulane over the weekend and we, we rallied behind it and made a comeback. Right. So you kind of start to fall into this habit of, hey, we can come out the gate a little slow and we can just hawk them down later on because we, we've done it before, right? But you're really gambling with the game at that point. And that's not something that you want to make a habit, right? Because like I just mentioned, it's very similar to gambling. Sometimes you bet it all on red 18 and it hits. You, you bet it all on red 18 again and then it hits. But, I, but most likely the next eight times you bet it all on red 18, it's probably not going to hit. So even though it worked, it's not something that you should repeat, right? And our team can't we can't come out with the approach like it doesn't matter how we start the game because we can mount this comeback in the end. The cardiac nights and the cardiac stuff is cool, but, you know, you, you'd much rather just have a nice steady pulse at all times and, and you know, win the game that way. A quick call a few times about how, – oh, go ahead. How, how long does it take a player to get warmed up in a visiting arena? Obviously, the shooting backdrop is going to be different. The court's different. Does it, does it take a while for someone to kind of get used to a visiting arena when they get there? I think the biggest thing is matching the other team's intensity, Adam. That That's the hardest part of starting a game. I'll give you an example. You saw it for us at home against Memphis, right? We you, we can't deny the fact that us playing at home helped us beat Memphis a couple weeks ago. We had the fans behind us. We had our atmosphere, and it really propelled our guys to victory there. So I think the biggest part is matching the other team's intensity. And for our team right now, we're a jump shooting team, right? That's that's what we do. When we make shots, we play well. 
make our threes, we get it going. We get, you know, you see us get get the whole the whole energy changes, right? So we're really, you know, falling into to you know a, a sort of path of if we shoot the ball well we're good but when we don't shoot the ball well things tend to tend to go the other way for us and that's hard to do if when you're playing on the road right because shots aren't always going to fall you hear coaches say it all the time but it's the truth right that's why you hear coaches say defense travels and defense wins and defense wins in the postseason right i don't care what sport we're talking about i mean you can look at the the nfc you know divisional round last weekend Green Bay has one of the most transcendent quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers, right? But that 49ers defense travels in inclement weather. It's the same thing in basketball. When you go on the road, the shots aren't always going to fall. You're not always going to be able to put up 85, 90 points. And Darren Green isn't going to make five or six threes. And Brandon Mahan isn't going to make four or five threes, you know, tough shots, things like that. But defense is sort of something that no matter what, Adam, we don't have to adjust to the to the road crowd to play defense, right? Defense is energy, effort, communication, and chemistry, right? So we don't have to adjust. <clears throat> but shots, offense, that, that, that's a little bit more variable. That doesn't always fall no matter who you are. So I, I think for us, we have to really focus on how we're going to impact other teams defensively, and that should propel our offense. We've talked the last few weeks about losing to teams with losing records like USF and now Wichita was winless in the conference and they were the hungrier team. When are we going to be that hungry team? It's getting late early now. We got our toughest test on Saturday night. Is it now? Is it time for the UCF to be that hungry one? I love Mike because Mike always comes in with a nice long question. You know, I, I love you it. missed me. I, I you love missed me. Mike. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's certainly time for a sense of urgency, Mike. I'll say that it is time now. We're about eight games through conference play, so the, the opportunities to get good wins going into to March, you know, it's it's going to continue to dwindle, right? So we have number seven Houston coming into town this week, and Houston has been just absolutely exceptional all season. Um, they are physical, they are tough, they are well coached. They they present an enormous <laughs> our team, but it's a great opportunity get a really big win so for us it, it, we do have opportunities left on the schedule to you know make make some really you know good wins on our resume but we have to like kind of like we're speaking on we have to have a sense of urgency moving forward into march i'm in the uh, weekly media sessions with coach dawkins the post game and i'll hear him say we need to learn from this we need to get better brandon mahan darius perry there are 10 games left in the regular season i kind of think they are what they are Am I wrong? No, no. At, at this point, uh, I mean, guys that are fifth-year seniors, you know, have seen as much college basketball as they have seen. Um, they, they're going to be the kind of players that they've met. And we've seen them play really good ball at times. And, you know, we've seen them, you know, kind of be inconsistent, which is, which is frustrating for, for fans, which is frustrating for, for players, which is frustrating for coaches. It's frustrating for everybody when, when, when guys that you see, you know, have, a, have certain abilities don't always bring that to the forefront and bring that to the table. So, I mean, moving forward, somebody on this team has to step up as a leader, right? Somebody has to go and sort of take the bull by the horns for, you know, not to make a USF phrase, but, you know, somebody has to step up and sort of be that guy in the locker room and say, listen, we, we can't come out slow like we did against Wichita. We can't come out slow like we did against ECU. That that crap isn't going to cut it, right? Somebody has to be that guy in the locker room, has to be that voice that others are going to follow and, and really be someone on the floor 
who who motivates the team to do these sort of things, right? When I was on when I was on the team, that was something that I always prided myself in being that guy who was going to set the tone for the team and then you know, it kind of trickled down to everybody else right so somebody in the locker room whether it's Darius Johnson as a freshman whether it's a senior now who's coming up on his last month of basketball last couple months of basketball and finally realizes this is it somebody on the team has to step up and be an on-court leader and say listen we have the capability to do things we've done it before now we need to go out there and just perform BJ, this year we've seen the Knights implore a lot of full-court pressure, which, if you think about it, makes sense, right? they got a, a lot of young, versatile defensive players, kind of like the old Eric Spolster positionless type of concept, right? But at times, that can lead to easy baskets, right, if, if, it, if it gets broken too too soon. Is there a point where you say to yourself, hey, maybe the full-court pressure isn't worth it and, and you'd like to see UCF maybe kind of drop back versus that? Or do you do what you do best, right? Or do you continue to press even though you may give up some easy baskets at times? Yeah, that's a good question, Adam. I think for this team, obviously the idea behind pressing is to speed the game up, right? When you play a half-court game, for example, my years at UCF, we played a half-court game. We, we hardly ever pressed. If we did, it was just to slow the other team down. But we weren't trying to get steals, right? But our, our identity was sort of a physical, grinded-out, tough sort of game. This team doesn't really like to do that as much, right? So you want to press – because hopefully we can create some turnovers hopefully we can get out in the open floor and lead to some easier baskets for our team. I, I definitely understand what you mean about you have to see how the game is going. If the press isn't getting anything done, obviously we have to, you know, fall back and, you know, get into more of a half court. But for us, we're at, we're at our best when we're in the full court because we're trying to get the we're trying to get the guys out in the open floor so that Darren Green can get transition looks. Because when we get it into a slow it down half court type of game, that that just isn't this team's makeup to play that kind of ball. I know the biggest key to the game on Saturday it has nothing to do with full court presses and easy buckets. It's will you be in your Jack Nicholson Spike Lee seats right there on on the court side, like I saw you a couple weeks ago. Mike, you know what? I'm I'm a grant your wish, brother. I think I'll be there. I'm gonna grant your wish. Now I don't know if I had on. Uh, I don't know if I was on my Jack Nicholson, Spike Lee. I was more in the corner, Mike. I was down <laughs> every single time it was a timeout. We had the fighting night just jamming in my ear. I'm, I still can't hear on my left ear, to be quite honest with you. But it's okay, right? Can they get you a little closer to center or what? I mean, tell them who you are. Well, no, listen, Mike, listen, I just take what I can get. All right. We got some, we got some real uh generous boosters, I'll say, that pay <laughs> the center court, right? And I'm not I'm not there with it. So I take anything I can get. Any, anything gets me close to the game, you're not gonna hear no complaints out of me, brother. Uh Monday before the uh, media availability with Coach Dawkins, I saw you out at the practice court there at the court at the stadium at the field. Field stadium field arena. Stadium, arena. Yeah. arena. That's the third one, Arena. And I wanted to say hi, but you, you got out of there. But we asked Coach uh, Dawkins, uh, you know, about you being out there, and he compared you, uh, Darius Johnson, to you. Yeah, well, no. I think one, they're both extremely competitive, and that's a good quality to have. Uh, they both have a good understanding of the game. Um, both of them are scoring point guards, which means, you know, if you need baskets, they can get you that. Not only can they facilitate and make guys better, but they're very accomplished at finding their teammates when they have to as well. And so I, so that there are a lot of similarities. So what do you think about that? No, no, no. Obviously, Coach is, is spot on with the, the things that he sort of, you know, highlighted. I, I think Darius, is, is you see him sort of grow and, and come into his own as a player. Um, I think the biggest thing for DJ that I always tell him 
um, is I want DJ to be the best version of DJ that he can be. You know, he's going to get a lot of those comparisons to me and the things I did as a player, um, obviously with people calling him DJ and my name, DJ, that that's a similarity for you right there. But I want him to be the best version of his self that he can be, because, you know, when you have a young player and you put those kind of expectations on him too much, sometimes it's not fair uh, for him. So I really want him to be the best version of his self so that he can go on to, you know, be just as good or exceed what, what I was able to do. Are, are you mentoring or giving some pointers What do you when you're out there? Yeah, so I, I talk to all the players as, as much as I can just to try to, you know, give my two cents and, and sort of, you know, pass on the things that helped our team be successful and pass on the things that helped me be successful as a player, right? I think that's one of the best things you can do as a former player because it can't always come from the coaches, right? When it comes from a former player, that's why if you look at Duke staff, that's why Coach K hires only former players, Nolan Smith, John Shire, Jeff Capel, uh, Chris Collins, it's only hires former players because former players relate to the current players in a way that coaches sometimes can't. So I'm always trying to just, you know, help them as much as I can and do what I can to impart a little bit of wisdom on them and, and hopefully some of it sticks. Um, so that's really the, the gist of it for me when I'm out there. Um, on another note, I did want to bring this up, Trace, because I forgot last week, but I wanted to give as much due credit to the UCF women's basketball team as I could. They're 13 and three. They are absolutely killing it. Coach Abe, Massini, Diamond Battles, they're having a spectacular season. So if you haven't been out to support them, get out to support the women's basketball team because they, they've certainly been, been laying it out there on the line. And, and you want to talk about a team that's going to play with passion, Coach Abe's teams are going to play with a lot of passion, trust me. And a lot of fierce defense. Uh, they they keep opponents down. How's skills training going for you? You still lining up clients left and right? Yep. Yep. No skills training going well. So, like I said, still continuing to work with with the young athletes, and it's really going well. I've been spending a lot more time doing some radio and high school sports stuff, um, but I still, you know, have working with with the young athletes when I can. So it's it's, it's exciting. Mike, Mike, how are you doing? brother how are you i'm doing great man i was on vacation last week i'm sorry i missed you okay. but see you yeah. back though no it's, i haven't texted you or called you yet but well no i have your number now i, I gave up, mike i gave up on that a couple weeks ago all right <laughs> i'm just happy to see you're here and in good health last week i popped in and you weren't here i said oh yeah what it, what happens, it happens more than yeah it happens a lot <laughs> we learned last week you're you're a football guy give us a give us a prediction this week and we got rams niners we got Bengals, chiefs who do you like oh well i think that rams pass rush is too much i think von miller aaron donald rushing up the middle you got leonard floyd out there Jalen ramsey at corner and I, and me personally to be quite honest i'm rooting for matthew stafford He's been great for so many years down there in Detroit, and that's a tough place to win, as we all know. So I really hope that he can get one. And then on the other side, I, I'm not going to bet against Mahomes at this point. I'm just not going to do it. I think I think Kansas City's got another chance to sort of kind of – they kind of got put in an underdog sort of role this year with that slow start, and everybody kind of doubted them. I think it kind of created a little – a different dynamic that they weren't used to. So I, I'm hoping we get Chiefs-Rams uh, Super Bowl. Good Sounds pick. like it'd yeah. be a good one. Yeah. Let's see if they can spring the upset Saturday night, though, first, the Knights uh, over yeah. number seven, Houston. We'll be on Wednesday next week, so hopefully you'll be able to join us then. We'll be yep. talking about this Houston one and preview uh, the war on I-4 on Thursday. BJ Taylor, we thank you for being with us again this week. All right, guys. I hope you guys have a good weekend, and, and hopefully we can get one. All right. Go Knights. Thanks, BJ.
Yep, no problem. Well, he mentioned women's basketball. They they came back. They rallied to uh, beat Tulane 69-67. They're 13-3, and 5-1 and one overall. The uh, the trio of Diamond Battles, Tay Sanders, and Masanikaba scored 57 of the 69 points uh, against Tulane. Uh, they are at Wichita State, which, of course, for the men is a house of horrors, but uh, hopefully more success for the women. And then they host Temple, a uh, rescheduled game. That's a Monday 3 o'clock uh, tip at the arena. Uh, tennis kicks off this weekend. Kicks off? What's what's the right term for that, Adam, Mike? Kicks off? Um, Start tennis? Well, they're they're home for the IT weekend. I don't know. 10th-ranked uh, women's tennis. They're 1-0. They've got 50th UC Santa Barbara, 22nd Auburn, 31st Arizona State, all at home out at the uh, their facilities here in Orlando. And men's tennis, they're 20th ranked. They've got 51st Louisville, 19th Stanford, 23rd Louisville, ITA kickoff weekend. Good luck to them. Uh, congrats to Renaya Jones, previous guest on the Sons of UCF Live, AAC Track Athlete of the Week. Knights are 36 nationally, second in the South region. Couple of sound on tapes this week in the mailbag. Uh, how about Roberts first? You said he had a guest. I'm looking forward to this. I haven't. Uh, I don't know who it is. Yeah. So Robert uh, is, is full on uh, co-producer of the show these days. He's uh, <laughs> he's giving us uh, when to switch to different camera angles, <laughs> questions to ask, and apparently now he's also a guest booker. What's going on, Night Nation? It's your boy JJ Jordan Johnson, better known these days as Coach J. As you may or may not know, I am the assistant offensive line coach at Northeastern State University here in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Now, as I walk around this stadium, I have a question for you guys from my boy, Two Letters, Two Words on Twitter. What do y'all think of stadium capacity and how it relates to success on a football field or in a basketball arena? Like, what do you think about that? Let me know what you think. Uh, strong on the walk and talk game for Jordan Johnson. Uh, I, like yeah, that. I mean, you, you brought the Griffin, so he went out and got Jordan Johnson. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't I don't know what's next around here. Mike and I just sit back and watch it. Uh, but his question was interesting because I feel like he would know better than us. But BJ just answered that, right? He said, essentially, in the Memphis game, the crowd propelled us initially in that game. We talked about Wichita's crowd. So I got to believe that the crowd and the energy that you get from a, a packed house uh, or a really passionate fan base helps out a ton. Uh, so that, that'd be my guess. I guess Jordan would know better than I, but I think that'd be my answer to his question. I think it depends on the enthusiasm of the crowd. We've seen stadiums that hold 100,000 people, and they're not as loud as the, our stadium that holds half as much. So we have that young fan base. If we can pack the arena, that place is, is going to be crazy, just like the stadium is. You know, we got a young fan base. So I think it depends on the fans itself, not exactly the number of fans. Yeah, I think it's filling the venue. So in the case of football, 45,000, if it's packed, it's, it's very loud. Uh, you know, it reminds me, talking about uh, quiet stadiums, remember when George O'Leary talked about how quiet it would be at Ohio State and he got ripped on sports radio up in Columbus. And then I was at that game and he was right. They watched the game. Now, when Ohio State scored, of course, they got loud. But most of the time, they're just watching the game. So I think it's packing what you have there. And certainly at the arena, home crowd advantage can be a force. In Michigan, it was sort of a 50-50 split. They matched the energy all night long. You know, So that, that was key. And uh, Houston's going to bring it. They're going to have a tough one. We've got another sound on tape, a little walk and talk as well from Mary. Hello, sons of UCF. Mary and George here with a, a kind of question. 
we would like for you to rank the top five athletic facilities priorities for us. We really appreciate you watching this video and answering our questions and hope you guys have a great show tonight. Do you have any questions, George? Nope. Nope. Okay. What do we say? Go Knights. Call John. Thank you, Mary and George. Ah, good one on top five facilities. It's usually geared around football. You know, it comes uh, ahead of our question about grading Terry Mahajra. There hasn't really been a lot of upgrades. You know, there's new artificial turf at the baseball stadium and a scoreboard is going up. Um, a lot of things need upgrades, right? I mean, I've been saying this on Twitter. When you compare to the facilities in the Big 12, uh, UCF is going to be in the bottom tier comparatively to most of those. Softball needs upgrade. Baseball needs significant upgrade. Arena is state of the art, uh, you know, in that regard. And football still needs upgrades, uh, as we've seen uh, rolled out from Terry Mahajra a couple months ago. Yeah, Mike's the top five guy, so I'll let him give you the list on that. But obviously, the soccer field is literally just a, a patch of grass uh, around a track. I think I know soccer is a bit of a limbo, and there's a question coming up in the mailbag about that. I think that has to be looked at at some point. Uh, obviously, football, I mean, the revenue you generate from football would lead you to think that we need to try to find a way to increase seating capacity, ergo increase revenue. While it's not necessarily a need, it may be a, a uh, a really important cog in the financial wheel basketball. The only thing I would argue is that stupid, silly wall behind the student section that just has like the holograph nitro head. We need like an Aaron Evans, you know, painting or something up there. That, that wall just looks a little bit bleak. And you mentioned both uh, the football or the uh, baseball and, and softball stadiums. Trace also probably need a, a facelift. So I don't, is there a facility that needs something to be touched up with? I, I don't know if that's, maybe that's the better way to think about it. If you had to pick one, it'd be the arena. It's probably the, the best one we have. Soccer, you mentioned, you throw in the track with that, the track and field to go with the soccer stadium, and they can use a whole new venue. All this is in the plans, too, that Terry brought out a couple months ago. So it's going to happen. It's just going to take some time, and it's going to take a lot of money. Got to thank you, Mary and George, for your question. Go Knights. Uh, at Deportes Man 85, does the men's team have to beat Houston at least once to get to the NCAA? Seems like if they lose both and to Cincinnati, they're on the outside looking in. At this point, they've dug themselves a hole. So, yes, I mean, in the odds of beating Houston Saturday, Houston's good. Seventh overall, third in the net, right? They're good. They, to spring an upset there, they'd almost have to now to get really back into this conversation. I'm not sure uh, finishing 9-9 nine and nine in league play without maybe a deep run in the conference tournament gets them in. Yeah, obviously Houston wins are, is going to be huge because the challenge is we have to offset some of these terrible net losses we've had now, right? So obviously the Cow's net loss. Uh, Mike mentioned earlier Wichita State had not been playing well in conference. So yeah, the loss is the loss. And, and unfortunately in, in college basketball, not every loss is created equal. The Cow's loss is, is much more damaging than you know maybe a loss at a, at a buzzer beater to a Memphis or something like that. So you're going to need at least one probably both Houston wins to feel a little bit comfortable, but I think we're going to ride that bubble all year long. I think we're probably on the downside of it where we're going to need to make a, a nice tournament run and come out with a, a, a win of games in a row if for us to be able to, to ultimately get there. But um, with the inconsistency right now, it's going to be tough for you to uh, BJ talked about putting, uh, putting some money on 18 red. I don't know if I'd put any money on hmm. Knights tournament at this point. Yeah. What do we have to get to realistically? I probably third place in this conference, right? I mean, Houston seems like they're going to run away with the conference. Then you got SMU, which that's the one that hurts because we only played them once and we lost that game and a game that we had a chance to win. And then the other one is the Temple. The other 
games. We're losing to middle of the road to bottom tier teams in this conference. That's what's killing us. So we're going to have to beat one of these top teams. And Houston, we may get three shots at them if we see them in the conference tournament. So we got to at least win one. At D-I-K-A-I-A night, what do you think will happen with men's soccer heading into the Big 12 since Big 12 doesn't sponsor uh, men's division? And do you think UCF adds any sports that the Big 12 does sponsor that we currently don't have? Um, I think they're trying to find the right fit. They've talked about Conference USA, perhaps even the American, though the American's adding programs now to replace Houston, Cincinnati, uh, and UCF that already have soccer programs. They could still end up all right in this, especially if they were able to stay in the American. And I don't think they add anything. I don't know where everybody, I don't know, you guys watch the show and are night fans. I don't know where you think all this money is. Uh, to be adding things, uh, you know, beach volleyball would be a good ad. Uh, swimming would be a good ad, but you're talking about adding facilities. There's no money for these things. Yeah. I wrote down swimming, uh, just as, uh, as my, my choice to, if you made me pick one, but, um, yeah, to your point, I think it's, it's going to be so hard. You think about starting a program up from scratch and then rolling into a, a quote unquote power five conference yeah. and trying to be competitive. I mean, that's just not something that's going to be very easy, easily done. I'm not, I'm not quite plugged in on the, on the club sports scene. Is there a club sport that's had some success that maybe you can roll in there, but that's a, that's a really daunting task to start something from scratch and get into a really competitive league. So swimming would be my guess because Florida is obviously a, a swimming rich state. University of Florida obviously has a, a pretty good swimming tradition, but um, I, I think either way, it's, it's a really tall ask for anybody. What about lacrosse? I guess they could probably use the soccer field, right? And the facilities are kind of there. I see people playing lacrosse all the time. Down, I think it's a growing sport in Florida. Uh, I, I'm sure we'd be way behind, but it, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, I don't know if the Big 12 offers it, but lacrosse is a point that wouldn't be as difficult from a facility standpoint. At Manny Morris. Hi, Manny. Do you know where KZ is registered for his new family edition? Congratulations to him shortly after the engagement announcement. Now, baby news. Do you know where he's registered? I do know that he should be getting his uh, invitations and announcements through paper and lace, I believe. Correct? Isn't that? A you, lot, have you worked a on lot that? more people where, are saying that, Trace. A lot more where, people are saying that. Where is that deal? That would be a good... Wouldn't that be a good trade out at least if you don't have him spend money? At least, you know, have him be a weekly contributor to the Suns. He's going to have a lot of announcements because I'm sure there's going to be a baptism coming up. We already know that there's going to be a wedding. There's going to be all kinds of things for he's going to need invitations and cards sent out. And there's only one place to go for that paper and lace boutique.com. <laughs> that all just thank you, Manny, for setting all of that up nicely for Mike. <laughs> Our buddy, Brian W. Peterson, who really kicked off all of this walk and talk question stuff uh, a couple weeks back. He said it's been roughly a year since Danny White left for Tennessee. Rate Terry Mahadra's performance since he took over as UCF AD. Now, he also asked the question, if you could, would you keep Timo or take Danny White back? But let's be fair in this. Uh, he said it himself that the Big 12, it was on third base when he came in. I give him Gus, right? If you want to give him the two for one with the Gators, okay. What else? Hasn't hired anybody. And I'm going to go B-plus, though, Trace. B-minus yeah, for me. So B-minus. I go B-plus. He, he put out at least a, a blueprint, a, a plan for athletic facility upgrades. Now, I know he didn't talk about how he was going to fund it, and I know we don't have any money for it, but he at least had a vision. <laughs> Those are saying, important let me, let me put together. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that later. Because he put out not, a, a vision. You're, you're the cows. They come out with a, a, a Well, that's not insulting anybody around here, Trace. Well, <laughs> Even their diagram. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to compare him to that, but I'm saying coming out with a plan and showing some pictures – 
It doesn't show me. The I would money. hasten to say though, it's a little bit more than what what Danny White did. I know Recovery Cove was really the the thing he came out with, so we'll give him credit for that. And again, we were told that he lobbied heavily for that Gasparilla Bowl to get to get UCF to play UF, and so I, I will give the tip of that for that. It wasn't that he lobbied for that? He made that happen for us. So I'll give him a B plus. He hasn't done anything to the negative. Uh, yeah, to your point, I don't know that there's a groundbreaking. Uh, you know, we're not going to name a statue after him just yet, but first year in the job, first year in a power five style conference, I'll give him, a, I'll give him a B plus. The money he needs to build these things there, it's going to be coming. We're going to be getting 10 times as much money once we join the big 12. So that's going to take care of itself. He hasn't fired anybody yet. And you know how we feel about hot seats. So he can't hire anybody if you don't fire anybody first. Right. So that, that, that'll come <laughs> eventually too. And I just like Timo better just because he's more fun. He's a better personality. You see him singing, you see him dancing, you see him doing TikToks. So for that, I'll take Timo over Danny White. What's your grade? Great. I give him a B right now. Incomplete, right. I guess. So we got a B positive. I give him the B minus. You you weigh in right down the middle there. Right in the middle. And uh, we end with uh, something that you talked about on the show. By the way, great with Javier Borlegi. Legend. Legend somehow flies under the radar because of the big accomplishment being, what is it now, 20 years since the kick? 21. 21 years since the kick against Alabama, which is a testament to the program that there have been so many big wins that have kind of pushed that one because that Alabama win was the biggest win for a long time on the board. But uh, Javier Borlegi, and you released that on the YouTube channel. Plug there, subscribe to the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. But you talked about Seinfeld and uh, top five heels. Uh, Chris Robinson question for you guys. Yeah, so we were reading a new uh, segment, Twitter or blank, and uh, we came across Chris Robinson's tweet about top five heels or heels of Seinfeld. Mike wanted a top five list. I reached out to Chris so I can unveil exclusively Chris's top five list of Seinfeld heels. Now, for those who aren't aware, Trace's Twitter handle is at Seinpez. So Trace is as big a Seinfeld fan as at least we know. I know Mike has seen every episode of Seinfeld at least five or six times. So the official top five list of heels. Number five, Sue Ellen Mishke. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I, I provided right, him with a top five. It sounds like he's stealing mine. But go ahead. That was my number five. Oh, uh, no. He sent this to me days ago. I saw your little right. uh, thanks for stealing the show content for Twitter. Uh, no, I saw that. <laughs> this was days ago. Number four, Jack Klumpus, uh, number four, Seinfeld heel. Okay. Any arguments? Take yet? the pen. Okay, we're good. Take the pen. Well, I, no, Take I'm not pen. ready to agree or disagree. I want to hear how, how the rest of okay. it looks. Number Shit, three, so. Uncle Leo. Uncle Leo is a heel? Uncle Leo is a heel. Hmm. The eyebrows. Uh, Dude, number yeah. Oh, all right. Number two, crazy Joe Devola. Yeah, fair. Yes, he was fair. my number one. And yeah. the number one heel, according to Chris Robinson, Newman. Well, he's the one that's on there the most. I he's on the he's most. Can, yes. Yeah. You can't really argue that one too much. Where's Lloyd Braun? Where's uh, mm. Soup Nazi? Mm. Uh, Soup Nazi. Tim fine. Watley. Tim Watley. You think of Tim Watley as a heel? Uh, kind of, yeah. It's a rabbit anti-dentite uh, trace. <laughs> what about uh, Willie the dry cleaner? <laughs> what, what about Tony the mechanic? <laughs> what about so Elaine's cool. father in the one episode? Tony the mechanic, good. Yeah. <laughs> I got a better. Right, well, Chris, I got another list. Uh, well, Chris wasn't done. Like, hold on. You asked for this as okay, well. Right. Top five <laughs> Seinfeld characters never actually seen. On the uh-huh. show, so this is the this top is five one. characters this may be you just don't actually five, ever though. see. 
Number five, and this one I I had to I thought hard about this one. I'm not even sure this is counts, but number five, the whale that George saves. <laughs> I don't think you actually ever saw it on on camera, but so. that's a great one. Number four, talk about a hole in one. <laughs> number four, poor little Pincus, who was suspected to be killed by Steve Genderson. <laughs> number three, Susie, who was Elaine's alter ego. Okay. Number two, cousin Jeffrey. Cousin, it's a great one. And number one, of course, Bob Sakamano. Never actually yeah, seen. What about um, the Bubble Boy? We don't. He see saw him. his arms. Kind of. <laughs> well, George Steinbrenner. We just got yeah, well, saw, saw the back of him. So that counts yeah, as yeah. seeing him, which often by the way was Larry David. Yeah, it was always yes. Larry David. During, um, <laughs> Larry David was also the lawyer in the Cape and yeah. the voice many <laughs> times on TV. I have a top five list too from Seinfeld. We got time here. How about the top five movies that they had on the show? Like the fictional movie Ooh. titles that they had. Rochelle, Rochelle. Rochelle Sack Rochelle launch better be up one. there Come someplace. On, <laughs> Sack <laughs> launch better be up there. A young girl, strange erotic journey from Milan to Minsk. That's number one. Yeah, uh, Sack launch I have at number five, right? Number four, wow. prognosis negative. Prognosis. prognosis negative. <laughs> number three, channel. <laughs> Everybody out of the tunnel. <laughs> Number two, Death Blow, the one that they were uh, bootlegging movie. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm a bootlegger now. Yeah, <laughs> and say and say number one again because I like how you described it. <laughs> Rochelle, Rochelle, a young girl, strange erotic journey from Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's that's the perfect way to Outside the fun part in, is uh, nobody's watching this anymore <laughs> on the right side. No. Uh, brown eyed girl, or what were the other ones that Kramer when he was on he <laughs> the movie, movie phone line? voice? Yeah, why don't uh, you just tell me which movie you want? <laughs> that, that was a good one. That's a good one. Uh, wow, we could do a Seinfeld good. podcast. I could change the background and uh, we'll start another hour. The uh, the top five list go from the Monday pod to the Thursday live show. I, we I like we felt Trace only you would you would appreciate the Seinfeld list, right? We knew this would be in your wheelhouse. When I sent Chris a message and said, "Hey, this is what we're thinking about," his response was, "This is my kind of party." So Chris may be in for a a four person uh, Seinfeld memorial at some point uh, if you if you're in for that. <laughs> uh, Bob Sacamano, I like that. I like it. Well, at tough. least we know Chris is watching the last five minutes of this thing. I doubt that. <laughs> in some form, live or in replay. Remember, Mike, Wednesday. We're live Wednesday because uh, men's basketball plays Thursday, and we don't want to go head-to-head with that. We're on I-4 yeah. rivalry. So Wednesday, I'll check my calendar. Wednesday at 8. You be there at 8, Mike, 7.59 for you. And uh, mm-hmm. we thank Aaron Evans. We thank B.J. Taylor for stopping by and joining us. It's been a year at this, guys. We cel- Mike, we celebrated a year without you. Uh, mm-hmm. I know. Um, I heard. Yeah. So, I got a bottle of champagne I'm going to crack open right now. Uh, Adam uh, said you might join us for the show, and, and we waited patiently, but you did not. So. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I did think about it, and then I forgot all about it until it was like 9.02. I said, oh, man, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking around the world at Epcot. It was a well. There's a slogan. I was gonna do it, but I forgot about it. And thank <laughs> you for not forgetting about us and watching the Sons of UCF live for Adam and Mike. I'm Trace Trolko. Go Knights! Charge on! Charge on! I guess. When Swift is on the grill, good times are sure to follow, and we'll help you keep them going around the grill all season long. Good food, good moments, one great meal come together with Swift. 
Now with Xfinity, you'll get unlimited internet with gig speed and supersonic Wi-Fi. Plus a two-year internet rate guarantee and no annual contract required. You even get a free streaming box. Talk about knock your socks off. It's all just 50 bucks a month when you add Xfinity Mobile with unlimited data. That's the new Xfinity Supersonic Bundle. Go to Xfinity.com slash gig to learn more. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. Requires paperless billing and auto pay. New gigabit internet customers only. Xfinity Mobile requires post-pay Xfinity internet. After 24 months, regular rates apply to all services and devices. Sports Social Podcast Network.